Although Pete Buttigieg is no longer in the presidential race, his legacy lives on in his rules of the road. Respect, belonging, truth, teamwork, boldness, responsibility, substance, discipline, excellence, and joy. Welcome to Twitter Travel's Rules of the Road. Welcome back to Twitter Travel's Rules of the Road. Well, last time we talked to Nina Smith, who was on the trail with Pete during the campaign, but now I want to talk to what it was like on the other side, on the organizing side. And that's the side I'm most familiar with since I was a grassroots organizer. So today I'm going to be talking with Samantha Steelman, who was the Marathon States Organizing Director for Pete for America. Hi, Samantha. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I'm so glad that you could do this today. I'm dying to hear about what you have to say about the rules of the road and the whole organizing side of the business. I'm excited, too. I'm sorry, I I need to ask you first to explain what Marathon State's director, organizing director, meant. Yeah, that's a question that I'm answering a lot of um, right now, because Marathon States was something that we thought of at um, Pete for America as a way to talk about the states outside of the early states, so the first four states, Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and South Carolina. And so Marathon States was anything that fell outside of that, and it involved the marathon of the delegates race to the end of the nomination process. Um, And so the Marathon States Organizing Director is pretty much what you would consider a distributed organizing director or a digital organizing director on another campaign. Um, And so finding ways to still capitalize on national momentum and the national energy for a candidate and translating that to online as well as offline action. I didn't know you were involved with the online also. Yeah, I was. And it was a marathon. I mean, that's a great name for it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I was really into it. I didn't, I cannot take any credit for the name Um, that was decided before I was brought on board, but I think it does a wonderful job capturing the um, feeling of the campaign as well as what it's like for those states that come after those first four. Oh, for sure. Since uh, Minnesota was one of those, but that doesn't let you off the hook during the early states, <laughs> right? Oh, definitely, definitely not. Because part of the reason why it's important um, to have a distributed program or a program that's done online and really takes on, on the digital organizing components as well as finding ways to do a distributed organizing structure of really empowering volunteers to be engaged and involved before their state. Because you can take that energy and excitement and you use that to really catapult you in the early states. And that was something that we were really trying to do with the within the Marathon States program, not just build excitement um, for Pete on the ground in those individual states, but also how can we take that excitement and use it to really build out our infrastructure and help out our friends in the early state part of the program. Yes, and, and those of us in Minnesota were doing that in Iowa, you know, being so close geographically, helping out our, our neighbors in Iowa. And yeah, I feel definitely. really good about that because, as you know, we didn't really get to... to uh, to our, our March mad, March Madness, not March Madness, Super Tuesday. Well, it was. It was. I mean, hey, you can call it that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And especially this year, right? Yeah, definitely. But, but it was all, you know, everything that we did, and as Minnesota, our Minnesota group, 
you know, most of what we did was was Iowa. And we really, I think we, we, we really had an impact there. And so what you're saying about, yeah, get that energy going, get, you know, rally everybody together to, to help out those early states. So yeah, important. Mm-hmm. It, it helps the team on the ground in the early state too remain focused and um, laser focused on what they need to be doing actually on the ground in that state and the volunteers in that state really capitalizing on the relational organizing structure of really reaching out to their friends and family. Because if you have this nationwide effort there to support you and help you, um, they're able to help with the typical, you know, voter ID calls and door knocks um, that really allowed our relational organizing um, operation to really expand and grow on the ground in Iowa. And I think that that was a big part of the success. That's that's so important to, to understand. Like for next time, I'm going to be thinking more in terms of instead of we don't get to vote until Super Tuesday or a, a lot of the states that are much later than that even, but, but you still have a role. It's really yeah, important. definitely. And I'm really excited to hear you say that because that's part of the reason why I was really energized to have this position at Pete for America. Um, because when I started my professional political career about 14 years ago, um, I started it in Nevada, which is where I'm from. I'm from Las Vegas. And at the time, we weren't even an early state yet. And so when I started my involvement, it was during this transition and this pivot of being a red state to a purple state. And then we became an early state. And I saw how the energy changed and evolved just by having that change of resources and excitement and media attention on the state and how that really helped Nevada really transition to a battleground state and now a blue state. And so when I was building out and thinking about the Marathon States program, I thought a lot about that experience for me on the ground in Nevada um, and how can we bring that energy and excitement to these states that are later in the process and really bring them into Mm -hmm. the belonging of the whole campaign. But it makes me think that those purple states should should get get to be early voting states because maybe the same thing should could be happening. <laughs> I think there's I think there's multiple ways that we could probably do the nominating <laughs> process. Uh, we could exactly. we could probably do a whole show just on different strategies and tactics and um, ways that we could evolve how we're thinking about how we pick our nominee for the party. Oh, there's so much that goes into it. Yeah. Well, um, on your other campaigns that you've worked on, had you ever seen anything, um, encountered the rules of the road or a code of conduct that you were expected to sign on to? Because we have to get to our rules of the road discussion now. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Nina even talked about this a little bit during your last podcast that um, all campaigns pretty much have a code of conduct for the staff and for the supporters. And you talk about the values that really drive that campaign. Um, And so Yeah, other campaigns had that values and the code of contact that you signed on to as a staffer. I think what really made Pete's campaign unique was writing it down on paper and making it so easy for supporters to truly understand and relate to the values that drive the campaign. And it also provided us on the organizing side a really interesting tool to play with to be able to cast an even wider net to bring more people into the fold to hear about Pete. Yeah, it was written down and and on the grassroots side, we we're probably the ones who thought about it the most and are still talking about it, right? Because as you said, staff, you know, you're used to, you know, um, signing on to something. And uh, I don't know what it was like, because this is my first campaign that I've really been this involved in. So I don't know what it was like for gra- the, on the grassroots side in other campaigns. But it, yeah. um, 
it was impressive. I couldn't believe when when I got the email. I'm like, oh wow, okay. This I mean, does, <laughs> this sounds like Pete. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was impressed with it too. And I think you know what was really interesting was, um, I think it was a good constant reminder for staff because something that happens on campaigns, um, political operatives and political staff, a lot of times they're in this bubble, um, and they try really hard to understand what it's like for supporters or just everyday voters to be involved and engage with the campaign. But it's it's hard. You sort of create your own little bubble of being in this world and understanding your relation to politics and how it works within society. Um, and so I think that the rules of the road also was a really good grounding tool um, for staff to really relate themselves to supporters on the ground and the true essence and values of the campaign and make sure that all the decisions that were being made um, on the campaign side were really central to that. So what you mean by the bubble is that you all, you, you understand so much what's, what a campaign is like and, and where yeah. you're going and what, what's normal, what's, uh, yeah, what's not normal and, and the path you're going and that you forget that we don't get that. That's not oh, just definitely. intuitive. And also, but you're part of the bubble is that you're just going full speed ahead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And you're doing it on like no sleep. You're away from your friends and family. Um, you really put your life on hold when you're working on a campaign. And so it's easy to really, you know, forget and to not have that grounding force um, to keep you, you know, um, lockstep with the grassroots supporters that are really driving the success of the campaign. And I think the Rules of the Road did a really good job of grounding the staff as well as lifting up supporters to really be empowered um, to really implement those Rules of the Road on the ground. I love that. I love how you're referring to it as, as grounding. And it's been true for, in my personal experience anytime we, as a group, you know, Minnesota, you know, we start to realize that in some way we could be straying from the rules oh we take, just you like, don't okay. say rules of the road <laughs> rules of the road yeah yeah so you're right so so right about grounding yeah well you had uh regional directors under you but when you started you didn't have I mean that that got built out as the campaign was building and yes. so I don't know how much time you were on before you uh hired the regional directors but that that changed everything, right? Yeah, definitely. I hired the regional directors. They came on board um, summer of 2019. And so probably within my first month, month and a half, officially on staff with Pete for America. Um, and that changed everything. It really unlocked the true potential and making sure that we were able to really connect with supporters like you on the ground in all these states. Because before that, there just wasn't the bandwidth or the capacity for the, um, for the campaign structure to really make these meaningful relationships and be able to build out the tools and the resources that can really help um, you know, enhance the program that was happening in states like Minnesota that were not in those first four. And we kept asking, when are we going to get our campaign person? So you must have gotten so many questions from, you know, all the marathon states. When do we get our campaign? When do we get PFA support on the ground? 
And uh, yeah, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) And, you know, and I appreciate that. I appreciated that it held it held us accountable too to the program, right? And the needs of what was happening on the ground. Um, The thing that I think for me, like taking the time now to reflect now that it's all said and done. um, I really think the fact that there wasn't that staffer on the ground in these states, I know that it was hard. And I know that we were leaning on all of you a lot. But I, I truly believe that that helped unlock the magic of a truly um, supporter empowerment organizing program Um, because you didn't have, you know, you didn't have the staff to necessarily lean on to be able to guide it. Like you all really had to find your way on the ground and also be able to fully assess what your needs were on the ground and communicate that to the regional team that was in place. And that's that's the true definition of grassroots, right? I mean, it's just coming up, coming from your community and, and what you need and and you're not waiting to hear, hear from what you're supposed to be doing. And that unlocks a lot of creativity, too. Definitely. Well, with your regional directors, how many did you have? I had there? four regional directors, Ayadali, Justin, Kirsten, and Michelle, who are phenomenal. Um, it wouldn't have been possible without them. They were just wonderful, wonderful organizers. I also had Jack, um, who was an organizing manager, and he was based in South Bend with me, and none of the program would have been possible without him. And actually, a fun story about Jack, he um, he met Pete through um, his Pete's father, who was his professor and Notre Dame. Um, And so Jack was an intern um, when Pete was running for mayor and sort of kept with him. And then I just got lucky enough to have him be a part of the marathon state team um, on the presidential campaign staff. And he is, he was just truly remarkable. And you would never imagine that he was fresh out of college. I can't wait to see what he does next. Um, And then towards the final stretch, um, we were lucky enough to add Stephen Smith um, into the mix and bring him on as the online engagement director. um, So that way we could really catapult what we were doing online and offline and sort of bring them into the same family. So that way we can be working lockstep together. And I was a part of that on the the digital digital side, helping out. Yeah, I was well aware of of Stefan, uh, and he he was uh, involved in a lot of different aspects of the campaign, and uh, so that was amazing. Going at breakneck speed there towards the end. So going back to the regional directors, you know, I Kirsten was ours, and Kirsten actually lives in Minnesota. Uh, so we had, it was nice to have that. Like, oh, well, you actually, you're actually from Minnesota, Kirsten. <laughs> but I was in, I was in South Bend my first time um, as a, a, a sightseer and she was there for training. It was in July. And it was I so remember. weird. It's like, well, you know, I, I need somebody to have breakfast with. You need somebody to have breakfast with. Let's meet. <laughs> so I, I have a great picture of that. And I'll always remember that. But I, I'm curious about the rules of the road and how they how you covered that in in training. It might have been just like, well, here are the rules of the road. And I know that you had much more important things to do, like, you know, like you had to, you know, get on the ground and get going. Uh, but since this is the rules of the road podcast, Kind of one yeah. uh, interested in how you, you know, the discussions with uh, the regional directors on how to enact or follow the rules yeah, of the road. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the really cool thing about the Marathon States program was that we had a lot of flexibility and, um, you know, creativity and a big runway, which was definitely, you know, 
thanks to Greta Carnes giving that runway for the whole organizing program um, to the Marathon States program, because we knew that what we were trying to implement, what we were trying to do, um, parts parts of it have been done before in campaigns past, um, but we the way that we wanted to really not just organize where um, we knew that we could be successful, but truly organize everywhere and go everywhere and talk to everyone, um, it was going to take a lot of runway from the campaign to allow the Marathon States team to really grow and be creative and think about how can we make the best use of the resources that we had available to us. Um, and part of what that allowed us to do was really build in the rules of the road into every single aspect of the program. Um, and that was something that I was excited to do because it's it's funny because when I first had my conversation with Greta Carnes before I became on staff with Pete for America, um, we had a few conversations with each other and it was during the week that um, Pete for America was having their first staff retreat in South Bend. Um, and so she was calling me in between sessions when the rules of the roads were first being implemented for the campaign. And we would talk about, you know, how would you build out a nationwide program and how would you lean into relational and how can you really capitalize on relational by building out a program nationwide the way that we were seeing it. Um, and I remember having these conversations and immediately getting off the phone with Greta and going to my husband and being like, I need to be a part of this. Like we can really create something magical here. And I feel like it's so values driven, which is what you need in order to really expand um, and evolve the capacity of supporters on a campaign is really taking it away. Not necessarily the conversations about things that can be polarizing like policies and um, the candidate and parties, but really drilling down the narrative and the organizing potential to just shared values and what that could do and how that can unlock potential um, for supporters on the ground to connect with their friends and family as well as their community at large. Um, and then when I got the offer to officially join um, Pete's campaign, it was around the same time, um, end of May last year, that the Rules of the Road email came out. Um, to supporters. And I got it just like you and the other supporters that were on the email list at that time. And when I got that email, I told my husband, I was like, if I get the offer, I'm 100% doing this because we can build something really cool off of this. Um, and so I was hired knowing that if I got that opportunity, that I really wanted to lean into those rules of the road and bring it into every single aspect of the program that we were able to build together. And you saw that. You saw, you know, our focus on belonging and being able to go everywhere in community, um, the focus on substance, making sure that we were really um, providing the roadmap and the and the talking points and the tools that you all would need to really build these substantive conversations on the ground. Um, also sharing responsibility of the campaign, like how can we truly empower the supporters to feel that sense of responsibility for the success of this campaign? Um, and how can we use that to be a driving force to really allow them to grow and evolve their volunteer teams on the ground? Um, and also joy. How can we bring joy into an organizing program and really build a community that is bigger than one candidate or one election cycle um, that can have this lasting impact um, for down ballots as well as other presidentials down the road. Um, and so, you know, it was a part of every single aspect of the program. And when I brought on the regional directors, we 
created the program together and we decided together what is that roadmap going to look like what is the what are we going to be asking these supporters to do and it was together as a team that we decided you know that service had to be a big part of it we wanted service activities monthly really with the volunteers on the ground yeah I um, love that and we wanted to really like lean into that component of the program. We also wanted to make sure that PETUPS were more than just strategy sessions, but we also provided, you know, ideas where supporters can really use it as a time to just bond with other people that were coming into the fold. Um, and then also the focus on belonging and doing tabling events um, nationwide in different communities and really focusing in on how can we connect with the community at large? And so it was really a part of every single aspect of the program. And it was fun developing um, the roadmap of this and sort of the foundation of it with the regional team and taking their ideas and their, how they wanted to implement the rules of the road into the program. Wow. You you covered so much there. I, I That's amazing that I'm my jaw is dropping because I, I don't really need to even ask you most of my questions because you've covered them all. <laughs> I am so sorry. No. I not mean to do that. I'm really proud of this program, if you can't tell, and like what we were able to build and do. And, um, you know, I would talk about it a lot on the campaign that, you know, it was probably the most rewarding experience I've had thus far in my career. And it's really shaped a lot of how I would want to move forward on other campaigns. Well, it's so, so important for, um, the grassroots folks like myself to to know that all of this was going on and that the conscious conscious and conscientious efforts that that were made and how much you were thinking about us right because when when you know when you're not necessarily hearing a lot before you know before we 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 got our regional director and we we didn't really know what was happening um so that was a hard hard period and so it's really good to know that you were thinking of us the whole time the whole yeah, time. And that's part of, yeah, we, we really were. And I know that it was hard. And um, I feel like I've spent a lot of time since everything was all said and done. Just every conversation I've had with supporters, I've, I'm sure I've had them with you through Twitter DMs over the last few months of just partially apologizing, uh, acknowledging the fact that we weren't able to give everything that we could and that I knew that it was probably confusing for all of you on the ground because I didn't have the capacity to fully explain the thought process behind it. But everything, uh, we really did try to build with intention um, and focus on the end goal of, you know, really finding ways to build community and to provide sort of a gift to all of you as supporters at the end of knowing that you could be an organizer. Anyone can be an organizer. Everybody has that potential. And it was on us and my team, the way that I saw it was to provide the resources and the tools to make it easier for you guys to all unlock that potential and that magic within yourselves. And there were so so many people who were first time organizers involved because Pete was was really drawing a lot of people who had never been involved in politics before. Yeah. And so for definitely. that to be their first time experience. But I would say it was a huge success. You're very successful in that, you know, have you noticed at least on on Twitter, we're still very evol involved. We're team Pete forever. And I think that everything, all your efforts that went into that and the, the sense of belonging and community, that's we're we're together as a group and we're you know, we're ready to work on win the era. We're there for, you know, whatever Pete needs us to do. And that, that's that sense of community that was developed. You know, we don't want to say goodbye to our community. 
I don't either. That's why <laughs> I keep inserting myself into what you guys are doing online um, oh, because I don't want to welcome you either. Yeah, I, I love you guys. And, you know, I really think that that shows the magic of um, organizing as a whole for a really long time, um, organizing a lot of campaign work. Um, and being a campaign worker is about controlling every single variable that you can control. Um, that's the whole, that's, that's really behind a campaign is trying to control everything that you can because there's so many unknowns within the process. Um, and because of that, I think organizing took a shift um, over the cycles over the last decade or so of, you know, really becoming metrics driven, which is good, but it was all about doors knocked and calls made, but it wasn't about the essence of what was happening in those conversations and who was the messenger delivering that and were we using the right messenger to deliver it. Um, and that was a lot of what we tried to do at P for America was really take a step back and not necessarily reinvent the wheel of organizing, but try to figure out how can we ask the questions and how can we get the data to really get down to the essence of how are we having effective conversations? And that's part of the reason why we leaned into relational so heavily, because it forced us as staff to always remember that conversation was key and messenger was key. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the rules of the road allowed that to be successful because when you are talking to somebody that isn't politically active or someone that might be a part of a different political party than you, um, talking about the candidate or the party or you know the campaign or the election might not resonate. But when you actually get down to the shared values and building that bridge based on something that's shared between you and that other person, you're able to really build a connection and pull people over, which I think we were able to do at Pete for America partially because of the rules of the road. Because in so many ways, I don't think any of us saw the potential of that really giving the vocabulary to our supporters on the ground to have these really meaningful conversations that really casted a wide net and allowed everybody to find a home and a place on the campaign because the rules of the road weren't polarizing. They weren't things that pushed people away or felt too political. It was based on the values, yeah. Right. You're either you're either for respect or you're not for respect. Right. You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's like the essence of really good, pure organizing that we we lose that magic or those conversations focusing on the vanity metrics of doors knocked or calls made without really talking about what does that conversation look like and how are we training and empowering the supporters to have an effective conversation with with a cold call or a door knock or just with their friends and family or their communities online. Those who had had a lot of experience and campaigns, you know, those uh, old timers in our group kept asking, when are we going to get our door knocks? When are we going to get our list? And so it was hard for them to think differently. And, and for oh, those, yeah, <laughs> right. So because it's like, wait a minute, something's missing. What, what are we supposed to do? We're not knocking on doors. We don't have a list. And uh, so that, that taking that making that shift, you know, in thinking about the relational organizing um, is hard for somebody who had done it the other way for for so many years. But um, I love the way that you explained it just now. It, it makes so much sense. 
Yeah. And it's hard for campaigns too. Um, you know, people that work on campaigns cycle after cycle after cycle, this goes back to the bubble that I was talking about. Um, we're in a bubble where we take for granted that people are having these conversations with their friends and family, but how do we know that? And are they really? Because we grow up in a society and some of us grew up in societies and relations or within family structures that we were taught and told that there's two things you don't talk about with people, which is religion and politics. And so you can't take for granted that these conversations are happening. Um, and I think, you know, us really focusing in on the substance of a conversation and what does that look like really forced us out of our bubble of campaign staff to really think about how can we provide the tools and the empowerment for these supporters to have conversations that might not feel natural and make it into a natural thing where they can really unlock that organizing potential. And then you would have to just trust, you had to trust us because, you know, you wouldn't know if maybe somebody's doing it maybe in not the best way. But yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't let perfect be the enemy of good. You know, that conversation is better than no conversation. And so even if it's not perfect, it's something and it makes inroads that the campaign wouldn't have been able to necessarily make without empowering that supporter and really casting that wide net. And it's personalized because, you know, it's it's the um, the way that individual, the way that they communicate with their friends and family. And, you know, which is going, going to be successful most of the time, but you can't control if, if, if that person doesn't maybe have the skills for it. But again, that's, that's nothing that you can't control. And so just letting that go. And then, but that allows you to focus on other things that you can control. Exactly, which is providing the tools and the resources to really help guide the conversations that are being had um, on the ground. And so that's really what I tried to focus on, you know, with the regional team. And I hope and I think they were successful with this. Like we would talk about, you know, the conversations that they were having with all of you on the ground and really trying to whenever you were frustrated and told them that you needed more resources or you needed these things really drilling down. But why are they asking for those things? And are there other are there other tools and resources that we need to provide um, to help you all feel more comfortable and confident in the organizing that you were doing? Because at the end of the day, you're doing the work that needed to be done and you're doing a great job at it. Um, and I think you all didn't get um, the kudos that honestly you probably deserve for what it is that you built. Um, because I truly do think that it was special and magical and it wouldn't have been possible without a supporter base that was willing to put in the hard work and really learn and evolve and hold staff on the campaign side accountable too to what you all needed on the ground. So you really felt that? <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. And I welcomed it and I loved it. And um, even when it was frustrating, I really tried to force myself to take some time to think about why were you guys frustrated um, and try in the background, because um, I'm definitely more of a background person. I don't really go into the spotlight um, on campaigns, I, which is part of the reason why I would never, I'm not somebody that has wanted to run for office, but I like being behind the scenes and helping good people win. And so I'm someone that just sort of puts my head down and does the work. And most people don't even know that I exist or that I'm there all the time. Um, and I would try to, you know, figure out in the background, you know, how can we not just say that you were heard, but really show that you were heard? Um, and how could I help the regional team do that? Um, you know, and that was something that I really tried to 
live up to throughout the campaign. I think I think you were successful. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> but I, I wanted to ask if it was ever difficult to follow the rules of the road for you <laughs> or <laughs> or uh, for your regional. So you were at headquarters, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was at headquarters. So you're with all, you know, bustling craziness all the time, right? Cra- everybody's working long yeah. hours. Yeah, it was crazy long hours. Um, It was hard. And I think it's hard for anybody. All of you would probably, I mean, you talked about it a little bit, Sue, like at the beginning that it was hard for you sometimes. Um, You know, I think it's hard for everyone to really live up to the rules of the road at all moments. So so yeah, there was definitely times where it was difficult. Um, But I think what was really great was we were, we had a culture where you were not, you, you weren't made to feel bad when you didn't live up to the rules of the road all the time. We understood that everybody was human and everyone was going to make mistakes, but part of belonging um, and living up to belonging is accepting other people when they make a mistake and helping them through it. And so, you know, I think that we always had sort of that closed circle of, you know, yeah, you would lose your way or you would lose your temper, or get frustrated, or, you know, probably not do the best, best communication with those around you. But at the end of the day, we all sort of took people for who they were and found ways to still give them that sense of belonging and community that would bring them back to the rules of the road. That's very well put. I mean, there's so many different uh, essays that could be written about how the rules of the road are intertwined. And, uh, you know, as I teach the essay format in my advanced uh, ESL class, so I'm always thinking of papers like that. But but one of them is like how, like what you just said, that the, the belonging allows you to be a human and yeah. uh, accept the fact that it's difficult to, to always be following them. Well, what do the rules of the road mean to you professionally? I know you've you've really talked about about this already, so I I would understand if you don't have an answer right now to this. But <laughs> how did the what did the rules of the road mean to you professionally and personally? And I know professionally and personally just overlap that those two those two personas overlap so much. Yeah, I think you know for me it's really the essence of why I love what I do and why I always come back to organizing. Um, I'm really into the human connection and like the human, um, the human connection through conversations and being able to connect and understand and actively listen and evolve with those people around you. And that's what always drove me to campaigns and at the start of my career, you know, why I really enjoyed organizing was connecting with supporters and volunteers and finding ways where we could like sort of solve a puzzle together. Um, And so the rules of the road, you know, it really gets down to the essence of why I do this work. And it also gets down to the essence of where I hope organizing um, within political campaigns at all level continue to go to, which is, you know, really thinking about what are those values of, of the campaign and how can you provide the resources and the toolkit to get back to the basics of the conversation and really allow people the space and the vocabulary to connect um, in ways that can bring people into the fold and not make it feel political um, with the values driven side of it. 
I know. I was just thinking, you know, if a campaign just goes forward and uh, never really uh, listens to what's actually going on on the ground with real people everywhere, then, you know, that wouldn't be a very well-informed campaign. So I was assuming that was happening also. Of course, every time Pete may, uh, had an event and was meeting people, and I know he did a lot of touring and meeting with organizations that were uh, represented a lot of his policy issues, that that would inform him as well. But I'm, you know, I'm learning so much in this conversation and thinking how it's a two-way street, everything, this whole, yep, everything uh, put together. And that's what I... And that's what I try to, you know, as I've evolved in my career um, and taken on a more leadership role in organizing programs and digital programs that have existed in the past cycles, um, the importance of that feedback loop and how it's important to always remember that democracy thrives when people are involved and people drive it. Um, and it's not just campaign staff that need to be a part of that process. Like it really, you need to be for the people and by the people. And the only way you can do that is really providing that feedback loop that forces you yourself as the campaign staffer out of your bubble um, to really understand what's going to be needed on the ground to connect with communities. Wow. I, I hope that most campaigns are thinking like you do. I mean, that sounds like a winning strategy. And you do your best, definitely, to uh, to merge those two. And also, it's it's like the sense of community, right? Because what you've done and the campaign has done is made us feel like we belonged and made us feel like we should continue to be involved. So the seed has been planted. <laughs> Right. It's and not just the that end with each other. And that's and that's the that's the amazing thing, too, about the program. It's not just about we provided the space or that we created this program as staff and as my team or as, you know, the greater campaign as a whole. You all really took it upon yourselves because of the with the empowerment of the campaign and the resources that we were able to provide to build these lasting relationships and connections and also build the confidence to know that you can play an active role in democracy and helping fight for what you believe in. Um, and that's like a true, you know, gift. And imagine what that can unlock if more campaigns really think about, you know, their structure in that way um, of really like the supporter empowerment side of things and how you can make it where the campaign itself has a life beyond itself. Um, and it's like going to be a lasting infrastructure that's going to be able to help just push for progress from here on out. I know, and we just answered my question, which was, to what extent do you think the rules of the road live on, that they're Pete's legacy, and they live yeah. on because we are still involved? You're still doing what you're doing, which is just so, it's so cool for me. Um, you know, I, at least a few times a week, I turn to my husband and I talk about something that I'm seeing on the ground that you all are doing. Um, I remember at the, I remember when lockdowns were first starting to happen nationwide and seeing um, Cindy um, and her daughter um, taking the Pete uh, yard signs that they had left over and making them into thank you signs for healthcare workers and going around the city and putting those up. Um, and so That's like, so it's such cool. a, yeah, it's such a treat for me to like see what you all have done. And, um, 
and how you're doing it without the campaign structure there. It just really proves the point that you all have it within yourselves to really make a difference in this world and to know what to do. Um, you know how to organize, you know how to connect, you know how to have meaningful conversations. And all we did, and I think the Rules of the Road was a big part of this, was provide the toolkit and the vocabulary to help you really make the most of those connections and also have the space to learn and grow and be human and be yourselves to organize the way that was going to work in your communities. And now we're doing it, uh, working on uh, the Joe Biden campaign and also the Win the Era to support those candidates. There are a lot of cool things happening. The, the most re- the most clever uh, thing that's happened recently is someone's developed. Let's let's have these uh, Harry Potter houses and separate those twenty two candidates into the houses oh and then gosh. go on teams. <laughs> have you seen that? Yes, and then I saw it. <laughs> I saw it and I immediately sent it to my little sister um, because she is obsessed with Harry Potter. Um, And I was like, oh, my gosh, Sarah, you need to see what our people are doing. This is just so cool and so amazing. Being on a team, right? Yeah. (laughs) And a team is like even though we're not competing against each other, but it's just knowing uh, what to focus on because 22 candidates is is a lot. So just and that's that's totally grassroots. That's just like that idea just came from. And I'm sorry, I I don't know the person to give them the kudos now. I I will try to do that later. Yeah. If you that creativity, if you just let people go with their ideas, amazing things happen. And I also think watching you all, something else that struck me this week, um, and I think that it was a result of the really successful um, grassroots event with Pete and Joe Biden that happened this week. Um, you know, you all are really living up to the belonging and welcoming others into the fold. And what I've been seeing on social media of you all um you know, reaching out to the K-Hive and like inviting them to the Building Belongings group, which deserves a huge shout out in this discussion about continuing on the legacy of Pete. Um, Groups like Building Belonging and the work that Wes and Kelly um, or Christy, Christy Kelly are doing, um, you know, to really live those values or the work that Laura is doing in Massachusetts of attending the Arena Summit and learning how to be a a campaign professional, but then also getting involved in training other campaigns in Massachusetts on how they can really lean into relational organizing and team building. Um, You know, that welcoming nature of this group um, of supporters and how you're bringing other people in and making making it accessible to once we're our opponents, um, supporters, and like welcoming them to building belongings group and helping them, um, you know, really be as successful for the events for their candidates, their preferred candidates. It's just, it's truly magical. It's so cool to watch. Are you talking about the building bridges group? Oh yeah. Building bridges. Sorry. But yeah. I like the building, building belonging. Cause I, that's probably the subtitle. Yeah. <laughs> building bridges. Well, yeah. Building I, bridges. Yeah. It's just, it's so cool what they're doing and how they're doing the, the, um, the book club and they're doing like these grassroots discussions and like really like making it where at any level of involvement, you're able to find your home and your space within this organizing superpower. Um, right. And they just, just took the really leadership neat. and they just took that on and, and that happened right away when we were still floundering like what do we do yeah yeah and it's just really cool to watch I love being a part of it and I love just sort of seeing how you guys have really taken the magic and kept it going 
this whole time. Well, and once the, the primary is effectively over now, and, and once that was all decided, it was a relief that, okay, let's, we're all together now. Um, so yeah. then we can really, we can go, we can go with that. And, you know, anybody who, who can't come, come together at this point, you know, I, I don't know if they can be convinced. So <laughs> we're going to try, fine. we're going to yeah. try, we're going to, we're going to welcome them with open arms. Oh, still. Yeah. Welcome <laughs> them. We can't yeah. force them though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you might've answered the question of what's your favorite rule of the road. Is it belonging? <laughs> You know, funny enough, um, it's one of my favorites, but probably not. Um, I, I, Greta and I would talk about this all the time. My favorite rules of the road was discipline and responsibility. Probably oh the two goodness. most boring ones. <laughs> um, but they're so important, especially like on the side of things that I was on, of having the discipline and also the responsibility and finding ways where we cannot just feel the responsibility amongst ourselves, but also build the tools and the resources for you all on the ground to really take ownership of the responsibility that you had on for the campaign. Um, and I used to, I, it was funny, Greta and I would have an ongoing thing. Like whenever I was writing up plans, I would tag her, tag team her um, and tag her into it and be like, can you add joy to this? Because like, that's just not my mindset all the time. Um, I'm very <laughs> like focused and like disciplined with my work. Um, and so discipline, definitely and responsibility. If accountability was on the list, that would have been my top. Um, oh my gosh. But my husband tells me that responsibility is close enough to accountability. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, we were so lucky to have you. But you asked Gre Greta was the joy then? Oh, had... <laughs> Greta was so the joy. She yes. was so the joy. And I'm sure you can all see that and feel that with everything that she does. And, um, you know, she she's a she's a superstar. I it was such an honor to like work with her and learn with her as we built out this program. And also the rest of the national organizing team really deserve shout outs. Jimmy and Ruhi. Um, Ruhi, the way that she was able to like, you know, really lean into the essence of what makes an effective conversation and train um, on those resources for the early state teams and those volunteers. It was just, it was wonderful to watch. And I'm sure that you saw some of the conversations and how they were different on the ground when you would visit Iowa that we were having with supporters as opposed to some of our opponents. And that was all the work of Ruhi and the wonderful leadership development program that she was able to build within the organizing structure. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. I mean, we, we could go to Iowa and just, you know, everything was being taken care of and it's, we just, it just tell us what to do, right? So yeah. we, didn't, <laughs> we didn't have to worry about, oh, what are they doing in Iowa, right? So then we could we could be sure that our our efforts and our time that we're being were going to be effective. All these things that we didn't know were were going on. It's amazing. <laughs> it's and sort I've, of fun for me to share them, you know, and like it's just it because there was so much that goes into campaigns and you usually don't have the opportunity to do this reflection, not just with the staff, but also with supporters. And I thank you for doing this because I think that it um, really helps with that feedback loop that we were talking about of allowing a place for the campaign to not just stay insular with, you know, the, po the post-mortem of like sort of how things went and how we could have done things better, but also providing that space to bring supporters into the fold and let them know what the thought process was behind things and also provide that opportunity for others to connect with us and, you know, 
if people are listening to this and have ideas or thoughts, like I welcome them and I want to hear what it was like for you guys on the ground um, because I think that that's really, really important in this process. And you truly are open to that discussion. That's one of the things as a, you know, a little a little grassroots organizer feeling like, oh, we're just, I'm just a little number here in Minnesota. I, I always felt that the staff was really interested in talking to me and welcoming. And I forgot to say at the beginning of this, I usually say how I, I, I know the person. I actually met you. We met in person. <laughs> and it was um, at Corby's, right? The yeah. famous, the famous famous bar I was in town for the good guy Pete um, live recording of the podcast and then we we went over to Corby's afterwards and uh, coincidentally a lot of uh, PFA staffers were were there oh where so, we always were really <laughs> that or the that or the office <laughs> yes <laughs> we would have some meetings at Corby's it like felt like whenever we would go there we would just sort of take over the place <laughs> well, it, it was a fun, a memorable night for me. And I have a great picture of the two of us together. Yeah, I love that photo so much. I'm making a scrapbook of all Are I was. Yeah, Aww. I was collecting along the way photos that you all were sharing on social media um, along the whole time of the campaign and like the evolution of your volunteer structures and just the photos that really connected with me um, in South Bend. And I saved them in a folder and I'm making a um, that's one of my projects during quarantine is to put together that uh, that photo album of just all the work that you guys did on oh, the ground. Oh, that's so sweet. That's, that's going to make everybody feel great. Well, but what's next for you after quarantine? Or maybe you're, are you doing any work right now? I know some, I some staffers. Yeah. Um, so I am giving myself some space, which I think a lot of people have to do after a campaign. Because um, the other part of this was I moved away from my home. My home is in Southern California. Um, I have a husband and two dogs here and a life here that I left to go to South Bend for close to a year. Um, so your husband is a saint. Yeah. Yeah. He, he is absolutely wonderful. We met um, campaigning and so he understands what this is like and we both work in political circles. And so um, luckily I have a really understanding husband um, that understands like what this is like and what it takes to work on campaigns. Um, But, you know, I'm really enjoying just being home again and like being with him and being able to really take some time to reflect on what was done on the campaign um, and how we can really build off of it and also putting some of that stuff into practice. And so I gave myself a little bit of time to really soul search and think and get used to this new normal that all of us are trying to get used to while also coming off the campaign and accepting the fact that I couldn't reconnect with my friends and family the way that I normally would after this I experience. Know. Having um, those happen came, at the same time was Yeah, really I came I crazy. came home. I came home um, the day before my wedding anniversary and I rushed home to get here in time to spend it with my husband. And it was the day after that, that California put out the stay at home order. Um, And so it was immediate. And so I wasn't able to really reconnect with people. Um, But, you know, I think it, it was sort of a it was sort of a blessing in disguise or I'm trying to make the, I'm trying to find the silver lining in it that I was able to really take that time to reflect and think about what it is that we built. Um, But now I have been working with a few clients. I've gone back to my consulting 
role that I've done before I joined Pete's campaign and trying to talk to as many down ballot races as possible and help them really think about the challenges that they're facing of campaigning during this really unprecedented time. Um, because before I, I don't know if you're aware of this or how many people um, that follow me on social media, but before I joined Pete for America, I was a vice president of a political consulting firm that focused on digital strategy. Um, and so my- I didn't know that. My wow. my background, which is the reason why there is an importance and about you know really combining the world of digital and organizing together as one, um, which is why I really pushed and was really grateful when I was able to add Stefan into our team on the Marathon State side. Um, towards the end. Uh, and so, you know, I'm just trying to, as much as possible, have these conversations and talk to as many candidates and their teams and help them brainstorm and think about, like, how can you organize and how can you get out of the bubbles of how we think about organizing as just on the ground efforts and how can we really build that community online as well. And so I've just been filling my time doing that and we'll see where that takes me. Wow, you have a lot to contribute. That, I'm I trying. can see where you you could keep <laughs> you could keep busy doing that, yeah. and then how about further out if you um, you know further past the quarantine what you would like to to do. That's a great question and one that I'm trying to find the answer to. Um, I know that my passion is in organizing and finding ways that we could have more effective conversations and also empowering supporters to build community wherever they find community. Um, and so I think I'm at this point in my career where I'm trying to figure out how can I best make myself useful to help us do that within democratic politics and help supporters find the resources that they need in order to be successful on the ground and really have like a pure grassroots movement. Um, and so I'm not really sure where that's going to take me, but I do know that that's where my passion is and that's what I want to spend my time doing. And even if it means that I go off and find a way to do it on my own and um, start my own thing or joining a team that will allow me the space to really have that runway to really explore what we can do and the magic that we can unlock with supporters. I think that's the, the best way. You're going to be the most successful by letting your passion lead because we don't really know what the world is going to look like in the next year or two. Exactly. So yeah. you, you could have a plan now, but not be able to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is scary, but I'm telling a lot of my clients right now, you know, there's also this, um, this opportunity in the uncertainty and the unknown. And I, I want us to challenge ourselves to really step aside from the fear and the hesitation and being paralyzed in that moment um, and really think about like what are, what's the potential that this is unlocking and what skills can I really learn that can help us evolve campaigning in the future? And there's, there's gonna be a huge reset. Um, that, that's what I'm, I'm starting to think that, okay, if, if things are basically, closed for a year it's like when we come back it's like oh it's it's, it's you know can think of it it's an opportunity like to, to reset yeah it is and uh which it just wouldn't be the same sort of feeling if we were just it was continuing as usual and and as you've said you had time to reflect a lot of people are having time to reflect now yeah and it's 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 a wonderful thing to have and not everybody has that luxury and that privilege to have that time in that space um, and so also, you know, acknowledging that and thinking about, you know, how can we provide that space for other people as well? 
um, to like be able to have those moments to reflect and be able to get what they need. Well, I'm going to be following your career. And uh, <laughs> and I'm glad that you're on Twitter and that you are in, involved on Twitter. Like some people are on Twitter, but they don't really interact with with uh, all of us. So I'm glad that you do. And so like I, I can said, you're keep not touching me. <laughs> oh, yay! So I'm so I'm, glad that I'm I'll in your life. <laughs> fantastic. So it's so I'm not really saying goodbye now. I'm just saying that um, we probably have to end the podcast episode now. But for now. You know, there's still Twitter travels. I just have different seasons. This is the rules of the road, but uh, I want to do more. And I am especially looking forward to the time that we can see each other again in person. Me too. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. It was um, really inspiring for me to hear what you had to say and such positive message that you have about community. I, I, I'm, I'm sure... My listeners are going to just love it. So thank well, you. Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And thank you, um, everyone out there, too, um, for what it is that you did during the campaign and what you are continuing to do. And, you know, I'm in it with you. And so just let me know how I could be helpful as you all find your next steps and where you're going next. Okay. I will let you know. It's so nice to have that invitation. Really, it is. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Twitter Travel's Rules of the Road. I hope it inspired you.